just start up. Morning, everyone. Nice to be here on this. Yeah. Um, last year, we had a church weekend, and we were down at Ashburnham, and it was a heat wave. We were sitting outside having breakfast, and I got a photograph of me and my daughter on the beach, and this year's a very different year, isn't it? Anyway, before I get into what I want to say, um, both James and Sarah are just going to share something. I asked them to maybe sort of just seek God and just see what they want to say. So um, why don't uh, Sarah and uh, James come up the front? Can we welcome them as they come and just share what they want to say? We'll put Sarah in first. Ladies first. Um, I've lost the verse, so I'm just going to go by... um just my memory. Um, recently, like, we went to Soul Survivor in the summer, and I got given a word about being some sort of warrior, and, like, I'd been kind of struggling with being confident through stuff, and I just really felt like today this word could be spread. Like, I just got given the verse, something like 1 Timothy 5 verse 7, or something like It's like, cast your anxieties onto God because he cares for you. Um, I just felt that could really be spread today if anybody was struggling with anything. And it's just really helped me, brought, brought me a lot of peace in my life. Um, just wanted to share that. Yeah. Hi. It's a bit weird being back, but hello. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah, I'm James Liriano, I'm now 17 and a bit taller. Um, and a bit more into God Um, (laughs) uh, so um, a lot has been coming up since I left here I guess but yeah uh, I was listening to something a while ago about uh, the Jesus Come and the Storm jazz and um, yeah I'm just going to talk about it basically because I thought it was pretty pretty cool so um i'm reading from the mark version mark version the where it is in mark because it's simple english um and it's uh, it's uh, 4:35 if you want to read it with me um it says that day when evening came he said to his disciples let us go over to the other side leaving the crowd behind they took him along just as he was in the boat uh there were also other boats with them. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care? We're going to drown. He got up, rebuked the wind, said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. And the stuff that was highlighted, I'll try and make it short because it was like a 15-minute video. But um, some, a lot of the time, I think we can feel that, you know, there's big old storms and we're just sat there and it's like, Jesus, do you care? Like, where are you chilling at? I'm going to drown, basically. And it's like, the, the <laughs> how can you question if Jesus cares? Like, the guy fully understands everything that goes on from like first-hand experience and he went to and talked about um how he cried with Lazarus and he experienced you know loss and just went through a load of verses about how Jesus has just experienced everything so there's nothing that he can't understand in 
the whole world essentially. And it's like, and then he was like, the most important bit is Jesus didn't just sit there and go, oh, oh, waves, can you just like go away, please? Thank you. He, he, <laughs> the guy, the guy stood up in a boat that's waving around. Like I don't, I don't know how many of you have been fishing, but when I first went fishing, I nearly fell out of the boat because it was like, it was like that. And it's pretty, it's pretty hard to stand on the boat. But this guy's in a storm, and he stood up, and he, he's, he's not like waking his eyes like, oh. Um, he stands up and he just looks at it and goes, "Yeah, stop." <laughs> like, like, do you understand? Like, <laughs> it's baffling. Like. The fact that he just stood up, and it doesn't matter what storm it is, he'll just stand up and be like, yeah, stop. And it's just like, I don't know, that's something that I started to live by, and it's pretty swanky, I guess. So, yeah. <laughs> Great. Nice bit swanky word. I'll, I'll give it to Greg. Swanky. <laughs> A swanky word. Well, please do um, hold what both Sarah and James said, because that might have been God speaking um, to you this morning, and they would love to pray with you at the end, if that was something that God was stirring um, or saying to you. But I do think there is a bit of a theme that God is, is, is kind of revealing to us this morning, and, and um, really I'd like to go back six months. Um, it was Good Friday morning, and we had a a gathering at church, a Good Friday Reflections. We've done them for a few years, and I was just getting ready. I'd just been in the shower, and I just got back into the room, just ready to get dressed. And I went down to uh, get some clothes out of a drawer, and something happened in my back. And I went, ooh, that's not, that's not good. Um, and I said to Marianne, I said, something's not quite right in my back. And I thought, no, I'll just lie down a minute. And I thought, no, I'll be all right. So I got up again and went, oh, no, that really isn't good. And um, I, I had to sort of just lie down. And what happened was I'd slipped a disc um, in my back, just getting something out of the drawer. And uh, that was a good Friday morning. And the last five and six months have just been through this kind of horrendous experience, if I'm honest with you. And um, out of that, I thought, this morning I would like to talk about what to do when it all goes wrong. And just hearing from Greg and from other people about maybe where you've been at, at a church, you know, as a church, that maybe God wants to bring something of hope um, into what we're all facing um, this morning. So that's really what I'm going to do. So so it's going to be a lot of sort of testimony stuff, but some, some nuggets, hopefully, that will help you and will help us as God's people. So there's kind of five areas I would just like to highlight this morning. And the first one is be real. When the pain started to kick in in my back, I couldn't move. I mean, maybe some of you here have suffered with slip discs. It's the first time I'd done anything like this. I mean, I just could not get out of bed. It was just so painful. I dared move. Your, your body says protect, doesn't it? And I just couldn't, literally, I just could not get out of bed. I was in pain and needed pain relief. I needed lots of medication just to numb everything down. I needed help. I mean, I couldn't even get to the toilet. I mean, it was that bad. I was just so um, in agony. So I just needed help to do everything. And I had to let go of everything. At that moment, it's like life 
paused. And there I was getting ready to go to do this meeting. And it's like, I couldn't even get out of there. So everything was frozen at the moment. And, and you know what, like, you may have been there in those kind of situations yourself where everything just stops. It froze in time. I couldn't do a single thing. I had to be real and face the fact that something was up. Um, a few weeks later, we were due to go with our extended family to centre parks. And I said, I'm, oh, I just can't go. I said, I, I just can't, the idea of being out and about, I, said, I, just, I just can't do it. And I said, I'll, I'll just stay at home. And the family said, no, we'll, we'll take you. I said, okay, but I, might, I won't be able to join. He said, no, that's fine. We'd just rather have you there. I said, okay. And I said, well, what we'll do is we'll get a wheelchair. And what we can do is we can just wheel you around. I went, oh, great. <laughs> and do you know what? They took the wheelchair. And if I'm being honest with you, I was embarrassed. I felt really self-conscious being pushed around in a wheelchair. I wanted to stop everybody and explain what the problem was. Because you know, people were looking at me. And I'm thinking, I'm all right, but I can't walk. And it was really humiliating. I was humbled having to be pushed around um, in, in the wheelchair. There were times when I got very, very low. When, when it took me an hour to get out of bed to have a shower and then to have something to eat and to get dressed, there was a few times when I would just sit at home and I'm honest with you, I'd just cry. I just thought, is this going to end? Is this, is this my life over? Everything that I wanted to do and would love to do, am I going to be able to do it? I was just weeping. I felt kind of a bit oppressed, if you know what I mean, a bit, bit depressed, because I just couldn't do anything. I was weak, physically just weak. I was ill. And here I am, a church leader. I couldn't really read the Bible. I like, just didn't want to read the Bible. I couldn't even pray. All I could pray was, God, help. I mean, that was it. I just, I just found everything was kind of closing in, shutting down. And it would kind of, it would come in waves. Sometimes it would be okay. But there were other times that I just felt really low. And my kids, they weren't particularly sympathetic. I mean, I was walking around the house. I had crutches. I had to hold on to things. I was like this, walking around the house. And my kids were like standing behind me, mocking me. <laughs> they go, oh, here comes Dad. Like this. Honestly, I was so slow. Um, and I, I was on one of these pain relief. I was, Marianne said, don't, that's my wife, she said, don't send any emails because they're, they're normally bad, but these were terrible. I was, the wording, the punctuation was worse than normal. So I wasn't living the victorious Christian life. I just, I just couldn't do it. People came to visit me. They were really kind. You know, they prayed with me but I didn't get better straight away. But, and people didn't have, have the answers. You know, they, they were just there, and I was very grateful for the people who would come and just sit with me and just visit. Um, I had to be real to face the fact that I was struggling physically, emotionally, and spiritually. All those things, because we're kind of, as humans, it's all kind of integrated, isn't it? It was affecting how I was. Here I am, the church leader. I couldn't get to the church gathering on a Sunday morning. From Easter to August, I got there three times. 
I got there late. I sat at the back and cried my way through the services. I had to welcome some people in. I just, I just hobbled to the front. And I, I was just so overwhelmed. I just cried. So, it, and I don't mind crying in front of church. If I do today, that's fine. But it was like, there was a, a, a breaking. There was a, a just, it was just a painful time. And I had to face the fact that life was different at that moment. And maybe you've experienced some things like that. Well, the good news is the Bible has something to say about this, doesn't it? God has something to say about this. And I'd like to just throw up Psalm 13. And this is um, from the Passion Translation. I don't know whether any of you have come across the Passion Translation. It's been out a few years. It's, a, it's, a, it's one of those kind of paraphrases, but it just says things in a slightly different way. So just have a look at this. I'll read it out loud. I'm hurting, Lord. Will you forget me forever? How much longer, Lord? Will you look the other way when I'm in need? How much longer must I cling to this constant grief? I've endured this shaking of my soul. So how much longer will my enemy have the upper hand? It's been long enough. Take a good look at me, God. Answer me. Breathe your life into my spirit. Bring light to my eyes in this pitch black darkness, or I will sleep the sleep of death. Don't let my enemy proclaim, I prevailed over him, for all my adversaries will celebrate when I fall. Lord, I have always trusted in your kindness, so answer me. I will yet celebrate with passion and joy when your salvation lifts me up. I will sing my song of joy to you, the Most High, for in all of this you have strengthened my soul. My enemies say that I have no saviour, but I know that I have one in you. Comforting words, aren't they? When everything is going against us, when it all goes wrong, we can turn to the scriptures. Praise God that there are scriptures like that. There's a verse like that. There's a, um, that psalm is there to help us in those times when things don't go as we want them to go. So when it all goes wrong, we have to be honest, don't we? We have to be real and face where we're at. Acknowledge it. It's important to acknowledge it. I could not push through at that moment. I had to face my reality. And, you know, maybe there's one or two here that you're facing stuff. You know, I had to ask for help. You know, and I... I, like, I don't really like asking, but I like to do things. But when you can't do anything, you need others. And God puts us in community, in church, in, in family or in church family. And there might be times when we have to say, help. We have to humble ourselves. And maybe there's one or two here this morning that inside you, you, you need help, but you're not facing it. I just want to encourage you, turn to those whom you love and who are for you, are rooting for you, and say, help, it's okay to ask for help. It really is okay to ask for help. Second thing is this, be reflective. What I mean by that is just think about, reflect on, look at what's going on. I needed some hope. I really needed some hope. So being a Christian, what do I do? I, I turn to God. Don't turn away from God, but turn to God. 
my face towards God and not my back. Turn to the scriptures. Turn to the stories of God. Turn to the Bible to see how God deals with people. In Hope Church, we've done a series that lasted eight months. We started it in January, and we called it God's Hall of Fame. And we wanted to look through different women, different men of God, just through, through the scriptures. Just kind of the, the, the classic stories of people in the Bible. Because we wanted to just get this overview of, of how God works through and with people. And it was great to hear different people just digging into these different characters, digging into these stories of people in the Bible. One of the ones who I often turn to is Joseph. But love him so much, we named our first son Joseph after him. And I did have a little treat uh, in the summer. You may have heard that uh, this summer just gone at the London Palladium, the musical Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat came back to the London Palladium. Did anybody go this summer and see it? Oh, you missed out. Well, this was the first movie. We got, because my back was so bad, we we went up on the train and and I went on a taxi. First time for me in a taxi from Waterloo to uh, the London Palladium. I like going on the Boris bikes in London, but I couldn't do that. And um, it was back at the London Palladium, and it, it had Jason Donovan in it. Do, do, did anybody see it when Jason Donovan was Joseph all those years ago? Yeah? Well, he, he came back as Pharaoh. Um, and then it had Sheridan Smith. Do you know Sheridan Smith? You know? She's, she's um, in Gavin and Stacey. She's uh, um, Smithy's sister. She's done some other things. She was the narrator in it, but she also did some other characters. It was brilliant, brilliant. And, well, what a fantastic story, isn't it? The story of Joseph. Um, if you know anything about the story, you know that God speaks to Joseph when he was a teenager uh, about some future thing, and being a teenager, he just handles it badly. And he ends up being sold by his brothers uh, in, into Egypt. Um, but in chapter 39, it says, he, here he is, he ends up in jail. It says God was with him. And I wonder what was going through Joseph's mind when he said, well, God has spoken to me, and I know I should be doing this, but here I am in jail. How did he react? The Bible says, you know, God didn't leave him. God was with him. I knew in my head God was with me during this. God doesn't sort of think, well, you know, you're having a bad time, I'm going to leave you. God's not like that, is he? He was with me. If you are facing things that you don't really want to be facing at the moment. I want to encourage you. God is with you. God is with you. What about the great king, David himself? The king, um, he was the greatest king in the Old Testament. And uh, maybe if you have a Bible, let's just turn and look a little bit at Psalm 18 together. Right in the middle of your Bible. I just want to read a few verses from this. Because David himself went through these emotions of, of good, bad, up and down. So just read, I'd like to read to you a few verses from Psalm 18, verse 4. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. He's facing some stuff here, isn't he? In my distress, what did he do? I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. I've cried, literally, I've cried to God for help. 
From his temple he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. God hears. God sees. God hears when we cry to him. Just flick over a few pages to Psalm 22. Listen to these words also from David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Did he really forsake him? Was that how he was feeling? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, I find no rest. There are times when it feels like God is not answering, but we are crying out to him. Verse 3, yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and they were not put to shame. Even here David is looking back to the story of God's people to see what they went through and how God delivered them. When we face these situations, let's remind ourselves of the promises and the journey of God. A few more verses. But I am a worm, not a man. He's not feeling too good about himself, is he? Scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who seek me, mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. The psalm goes on to say some more things there, but the the whole psalm is one of calling out to God when things aren't going well, when it's all going wrong. I just wanted to read those particular verses just to say, hey, there was... David was in touch with his emotions here, wasn't he? He was honest with his situation and he cried it back to God. He called it out to God. Let's just flick on to Psalm 40. A few verses from Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me. He heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock, gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Just even even in those few verses there, you see a journey from despair calling out to God to actually seeing what God can do. And it results in praise, and it results in blessing. And that's a real key for us, isn't it? That we may start off with in facing our reality, which is absolutely right, but we don't stay there. We do journey with God. And I've found that as I've gone through what I've gone through, there have been dark days, but there's been days with a glimmer of hope as I remind myself, as I look back over the stories of God, when I am being reflective about that. And let's just look at this psalm again, Psalm 23. Maybe we should just look at that one together. Because 
this is very, very well known, but let me just read this to you today, maybe in a, a prophetic sense of God speaking to us, whatever we are facing. Just listen to these beautiful, beautiful words. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. And here's where tough times set in. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a beautiful words that it's not if I go through the valley of the shadow of death. It's when I go through the valley of the shadow of death. Friends, we will all go through it at some point. Ourselves or maybe over family members. We will go through it. That is life. But the promises of God is that he is with us. So when it all goes wrong, let's look back. Let's be encouraged from what God has said and see how he is with his people. Third thing is being thankful. Now, there is an old hymn which the chorus is called Count Your Blessing. I don't quite know how the tune goes. I know it's all like, count your blessings, name them one by one. Keep, help me out here. Count your blessings, see what God Count your blessings, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Surely if that goes country, it'd be great, wouldn't it? You know, count your blessings. It's got to be on YouTube somewhere, hasn't it? But it's true. It's true. Count your blessings. Look back and be thankful. When I was weak, when I was down, I decided I'm going to thank God for things he's done. I'm going to look back and choose to be thankful. I'm going to be thankful. I would look around that, just look around the house. Say, look, thank you, I'm in a, I'm in a house. Thank you, there's a roof over my head. Thank you, I'm in, a, I'm in a bed with clean sheets. Thank you, when I go to the loo, I can press a button and it's all flushed away. Thank you that I have Netflix on my iPad that I can watch what I want to in bed. Thank you, God, I've got a wife who is picking up more because I can't do it. Thank you that my kids, even though they're winding up, they're actually cutting the grass now. You know? <laughs> it seems silly, doesn't it? But I started to thank God for the small things because I wanted to be grateful for what God has done. Thank you that there were other people in the church who could pick that up. Thank you that um, we, we had food. You know, there was just the small things meant so they were really important to me. Actually, being thankful is, is who we should be, isn't it? Yes, I got onto things of thank you, Lord, that you've, you know, I'm, I'm saved. Yes, but it was the small things that really meant some, something to me. 
So being thankful is a real key in this. In fact, if you're into this kind of well-being thing, and it's a really good thing, people who are looking at life are saying, you know, actually thankfulness is a key, not just for Christians, but actually as people. There's something which is good for us if we are thankful as people. One, of course, it, it puts the attention on, on somebody else, doesn't it? If somebody does something for you, does say, oh, that was really nice, you say, well, thanks. Yeah, if Greg does something for me, I say, well, thank you, Greg. I appreciate what you're doing. And actually, it's, it's part of our well-being as human beings to be thankful people. I mean, I would suggest you just give it a try. Just go through your day, maybe in the workplace, maybe at home, just see where you can be thankful to colleagues or family members or whatever you're doing. Let's become people who are thanking others because it it does us good if we start living that way. Try it. You know, it it will change things. And I found that um, that's helped me. So when it all goes wrong, let's be thankful. Fourth area is about... Oh, we've done that. Fourth area is, is being hopeful. One of the songs we sung this morning was about that glorious day. We all know um, that there will be this glorious day. When I was feeling as I was feeling, I knew that I needed to have a bit of a shift in my head. I needed to reach out and cling on to hope. A few years ago, there was an interview with Bono, the lead singer of U2. And here's a guy who's, who's got it all. You know, materially, success, um, all that kind of stuff. And the interviewer said to him, what is the one thing, Bono, you could not live without? What is the one thing? Bono being the man he said, perspective. Perspective. How we look at things, the perspective that we have. And that's often stuck with me, is, is, is what is my perspective on things? How am I viewing what I'm like, what life is like, and the things around me? I needed a godly perspective. I needed to see things as God wanted it to be seen. The Apostle Paul has something to say about this. Let's have a look here. If you're able to jump up to 2 Corinthians with me. New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Corinthians, and 2 Corinthians. Just going to read a little bit from here. So we're in chapter 4. Just going to read a few verses from here. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we 
who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Jump down to verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So what do we do? We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So it's that kind of perspective, isn't there? As that song was saying, one day, one day we know there is going to be a victory. One day we know that things in this life are going to change. A few years ago in, in Hope Church, we did a series on the book of Revelation. And uh, oh, yikes, we don't have a Greg. What are we going to do? So we, we formed a, a teaching team to look at that. And uh, I got to do the introduction to it. And I said to the church, you know, I'm going to give you a big spoiler alert. Jesus wins. I mean, that's what it says in the end of the book. Jesus wins. Satan is defeated. Come on. There's some good news here. The church is victorious. And there's a whole new world that's going on. I said, that's it, done. You know. <laughs> but there's some good news out there, isn't there? Jesus is going to have his victory. It's going to come. Because it's already written. It's, kind of, it's been decided. So there is something for us to look forward to. There is some hope that we have out there. Jump with me to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to read from verse 18. Just listen to the words of Paul, the guy who wrote this. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Remember, this is Paul. This is Paul, who, by my Bible tells me, he was beaten up for the gospel. He was put in prison for the gospel. He was in a shipwreck. And he was whipped as well. So here's a guy who has been through some pretty difficult and horrible stuff, and yet he's saying this. Verse 19... For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoptions to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. For hope Sorry, who hopes for what they already have? But we, but if we hope what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. So Paul's saying here, 
There is this hope out there. We cannot see it, but it's coming. We have to press in in faith. We have to look with those eyes of faith, have that perspective that even though we're facing what we're facing, there will be a day, there will be a time when what is promised here will happen. And we're wrestling, aren't we? We wrestle with the good and the bad and the ugly of life. We have victories and then we have defeats. We have those kind of good days and we have those bad days. But we press on. We encourage one another. Sometimes we just stand with one another or sit with one another. Sometimes we just cry with one another. Sometimes there are no words. But inside, we know that we are moving forward because there is going to be that great and that glorious day. So we have a hope. When we changed our name from Town Centre Church to Hope Community Church, I said, we want to be a people of hope. We've coined this phrase, which is kind of a bit of a buzzword with us. We want to be hope carriers. Wherever we go, whatever we're facing, whoever we're rubbing shoulders with, we want to be hope carriers. Because what we carry inside us is good news, isn't it? We know Jesus who can love us for who we are and in his love for us will change us and transform us into his likeness if we stay like putty in his hands. So we have this hope and it's a good hope. Finally, let's be changed. As we go through these things, things do change us. Physically, I'm probably about 70% of where I think normal is. Um, where I live in town, I can walk to the church offices. I hadn't done that for four months. Just, it was just too far, but in September I just started to do that. Before this happened, I was running quite regularly, three times a week, and every Saturday, I, for fun, I'd be running a half marathon. I haven't done that for all these months, and I know I couldn't do it now, but I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, my goal is to build back up to that. But going through this experience has changed me. We go through experiences, and as we look back, they do change us, don't they? And that's, that's okay. That's, that's really good. But Romans 8, we, we are already there, but look down at verse 28. Paul says this, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purposes. I'm a great believer that God does not waste things. And as I submit myself to him, God will use this. I've already found a, a greater empathy for long-term ill. There are people who are just struggling with their health. You know, I was sitting with a lady in our church, and we were just talking through, well, what medication are you on? All right, you're on well, I'm on this. Oh you're, oh, you're on that. But just an understanding, because of what I have experienced, of just loving people for where they're at. So when sometimes you see people and they're just, oh, just, just struggling today, you, you kind of think, you know what, yeah, I get that. There are times when it, life is just hard. And like that compassion and that love of God sees into that person to say, yeah, I get that. It's okay. God is for you. He's with you. He wants to bring you hope into your circumstances. I have been blessed by receiving help from other people, so I want to help. Not that I wasn't giving help to other people, but in a kind of, just in a 
more crystallized way, maybe try and just help people because I've needed that, I've wanted that. So, I was changed. There's that verse there again. So, in conclusion, what to do when it all goes wrong? Five things. As I just sort of come into land, maybe just look at those five things on the screen there. Or think about what James or Saren said. Think, well, Lord, maybe this morning God is speaking to you. Maybe this morning you want to respond out of these things. Maybe you want some prayer. I'm just going to pray collectively, and I shall hand back to Greg, and then if you want some personal prayer by myself or with James or someone what they said, then we would love to pray for you. So let's just look at those words there. And let us pray. This morning, Lord God, as we come before you, we come before a God who is with us. Thank you that one of those names that was given to you was Emmanuel, God with us. And Lord, we all go through times when life goes wrong. We all go through those moments where it didn't quite go as we planned. We find ourselves having to deal with that, having to maybe rethink or recalibrate things. And I pray for us here today that somehow in the midst of what we're facing, we would find you in that. We thank you that you don't leave us but you are right there with us. I thank you that we can call out to you. We can turn to you with the questions, with the things that maybe we can't answer. And we can fall into you. And as the psalmist say, we trust you. And trusting sometimes is a letting go. And just saying, God, I don't understand this. I can't work this out. This was not what I thought it would be. And yet here I am. So I pray that we would, in the midst of things we're facing, we would turn to you, we would fall into you. And that somehow we would learn a little bit more about your ways with us. That we would be real. We'd be reflective. We'd be thankful. We'd be hopeful. And we'd be changed. And that our lives would be stories of what God can do in us and through us. Finally, I just pray your blessing here on everybody present. Lord, for the things that this church has gone through over the last few weeks and months, may this kind of be an encouragement to this church today. May your words stick and just bring some hope today, tomorrow, and into our weeks. And 
As we go into our weeks, may we be that um, hope carries ourselves. May we share our stories with one another. And may we seek to be all that you want us to be in workplaces and wherever you have us to be. Because we love you and we know one day there is going to be a glorious end. And we want to be good ambassadors for you. Let this happen for your glory. And I pray this in Jesus' name.